As patients undergo more testing and take more medications, medical thinking has become increasingly complex, and the vast amount of information in electronic health records can further complicate decision-making. In the future, though, rather than being a burden, computers could help process and synthesize medical data and ultimately improve clinical thinking. I'm Stephen Morrissey, Managing Editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, and I'm talking with Ziad Obermeyer, an emergency medicine physician at Brigham and Women's Hospital and an assistant professor at Harvard Medical School. Dr. Obermeyer has co-authored a perspective article on the future of machine learning in medicine. Dr. Obermeyer, you write in your article that computers will ultimately help physicians manage the complexity of 21st century medicine. So when did we reach the point where the amount of information physicians need to process has become too much for a human mind to handle? Yeah, it's an interesting question, and I think it's obviously hard to come up with an exact date. But I think one way that I think about it sometimes is it's probably around the time that more and more doctors started feeling overwhelmed by a lot of the day-to-day elements of medical practice. And I think one way to index this is with burnout rates. Another is by just looking at how much time physicians are spending processing the enormous amounts of information that are currently stored in electronic health records. And I think a final measure is just looking at the mismatch between how much effort we're putting into making these complex decisions and how much value we're getting out of them. I think many people in both clinical medicine and health policy would argue that that mismatch is getting greater and greater. And so I think we have a number of indicators that in some way the complexity of medicine is straining our ability to think. So what other fields rely on data science and machine learning for decision-making? And what are the benefits and the challenges that they've seen? The most obvious evidence of machine learning in all of our everyday lives is actually in the commercial sector. So every time you are suggested a movie by Netflix or suggested a product to buy, or every time Siri recognizes your voice, or in the near future, the iPhone recognizes your face, you're seeing how much of our everyday experience machine learning is starting to transform. And I think there's increasing uptake of these kinds of methods in a variety of academic fields. And uncoincidentally, it's a lot of fields that, like medicine, also struggle with the complexity of the data that they have to process. So, for example, astrophysicists have to integrate and sort through data on millions to billions of galaxies that they're seeing through their telescopes. Ecologists have very complex data on ecosystems. Neuroscientists have a range of data on the structure and function of neurons, geneticists with genomic data. And so in all of these fields, we're seeing more and more research leverage some of the powerful algorithms that are being developed by computer scientists. So in medicine, you give two examples in your article of ways that algorithms could be useful for identifying variations in heart rhythm linked to sudden cardiac death and for teasing out multiple subtypes of type 2 diabetes. So beyond those, what other areas of medicine are there where algorithms could one day work to improve patient care? I think there are a number of areas, and I think the most obvious one to most people is that machine learning algorithms are extremely good at predicting things in the future, so predicting what product you might want to buy, for example. One very important area of medicine that I think is underemphasized, but I think what will not be for long, is actually the area of just prognostications. So simply predicting what's going to happen to someone. The the most obvious example of a critical need for this is around end-of-life care planning. 
very often in my own clinical work in the emergency department, I see patients who are forced to make very difficult decisions around the kind of care that they want, how aggressive they want to be in terms of mechanical ventilation or surgeries or all sorts of things that I think would generally be classified as aggressive. And they have to make those decisions under a lot of time pressure and a very stressful set of circumstances. And a lot of the time, those people have never heard from a doctor that their mortality risk is extremely high over the next year because of the immense burden of comorbidities and their particular circumstances. And so simply predicting someone's likely survival, I think, can be a really powerful way in which machine learning can do something that humans really struggle with. There's a lot of evidence that doctors were not very good at predicting when someone's going to die. And that sort of adds to the difficulty of actually having that conversation, even if we knew. And so I think a lot of very talented people are starting to address the mechanics of how you have that difficult conversation with patients. But I think machine learning can address some of the more fundamental issues of when someone is going to die, because I think as all of us who see patients know, it's sometimes very difficult to know. Another area that I think is going to be increasingly visible over the next 10 to 20 years is around improving diagnostics. And I think the most visible area there is in areas where information is already in digital form. So for example, analyzing radiographs, uh, analyzing pathology specimens, there are already some really impressive papers that can essentially train an algorithm to replicate the performance of a panel of very good radiologists or pathologists when looking at an image. And so I think those are the very sort of near to medium term areas. I think there's a lot of optimism around other areas, for example, helping doctors make diagnoses or helping doctors know which treatments are going to benefit which patients. And so this is the general area of precision medicine. And I think those things are a lot harder. And if it's interesting, we can talk in more detail about that. But I think one thing that makes a lot of applications of machine learning and medicine very hard is actually just fundamental uncertainty about what a diagnosis is or which treatment would benefit which patient. And so often there's a lot of emphasis on the algorithms and, and how do we predict this thing that masks a deeper problem, that there are many things in medicine that we do not know. And I think algorithms can help us know what we don't know. But that's a very different enterprise from simply taking a radiograph and training an algorithm to replicate what a radiologist would say about that radiograph. As we move beyond that level of machine learning, how do we ensure that algorithms don't learn human mistakes that are pervasive in healthcare, that algorithms don't mirror racial biases or encourage over-testing? It's a great question, and I think there's no one-size-fits-all solution to that problem. As one example, when a radiologist or a pathologist looks at a radiograph or a pathology specimen, that practitioner makes a judgment call based on the current state of our science about what is a lung nodule? Is that likely to represent a significant lung nodule? What is cancer when I look at it under the microscope? And I think a lot of people would point out that that decision is not a value-free decision from nowhere, but that's a decision that happens within a particular health system and set of incentives. And then a lot of people have pointed out that that leads to a substantial amount of overdiagnosis of cancers that would never metastasize or harm anyone. And so disentangling, for example, what's a real cancer, what's a real pneumonia from what's a sort of product of some of the structural incentives and problems in our healthcare system is very difficult. Very often, whom we test and whom we even see in our clinics and emergency departments is heavily affected by issues of access, implicit bias, who gets tested and who doesn't. And when we're 
were uncritically using the data that is sitting around in electronic health records. We're fooling ourselves if we think that these are biological data. They're not biological data. They're data that are the product of a number of human decisions, each of which can have a mistake or a disparity or a bias associated with it. And so by uncritically training algorithms to replicate the diagnoses or the judgments of physicians, we run the risk of also teaching that algorithms are our own human biases and mistakes. Looking at medical school, medical education, do you see changes that are going to be made to prepare doctors for this future in which data science becomes an important part of clinical practice? Um, I think changes uh, should be made. Whether they will be made is, uh, I think, a harder question to answer. I think the case for making these changes seems, I think, to, to many people very clear. There are a number of obvious holes in medical school curricula, not just holes related to everything that we come to think of around the delivery of healthcare services and how to negotiate a, an increasingly complex delivery system, but also holes in statistics and data science that I think will end up jeopardizing a, a lot of the sort of important advances that those disciplines can make to medicine. So for me, the, the case is very clear. I think there's reason for optimism when you just look at the trajectory in medical school curricula when it comes to other things that were once very foreign to medicine, for example, uh, genetics or, or biochemistry. Medical school curricula have adapted to them, and most doctors know the basics of those fields enough to be educated consumers of laboratory tests that are new or genetic screening panels that are new. And so I think there's a track record that we can look back to and sort of almost a, a blueprint for incorporating new sciences into medical school curricula. But I think the sooner that can happen, the sooner we'll be able to produce the kinds of people who can really be at the forefront of developing algorithms and doing that in a nuanced clinical way. Finally, is there anything that individual doctors can do now to use data science and machine learning to improve care for their patients? In some ways, I think the very disappointing answer is no. Um, and I think that it's probably a little bit surprising, but I think when you look at all of the enthusiasm and hype around how machine learning will contribute to medicine, I think it's quite striking how little machine learning has contributed to medicine already. And I think some of that's around the complex and cumbersome way that we have um, electronic health records integrated into our hospitals and clinics. But I think there's a deeper problem, which is that even if all of the plumbing issues in terms of where the data are and how they get incorporated into algorithms, even if all those things were solved, I don't think I can look around at an example of a killer app in medicine that would really transform the way doctors today would diagnose or treat or even prognosticate. And so I think one of the things that I'm most excited about, and I think there's a most urgent need for, is exactly as you asked, finding models that can leverage these technologies and validating them in randomized trials. I think there's a lot of frustration from colleagues and people I talk to in, in computer science that, oh, doctors don't adopt these things. But, you know, in medicine, we have a playbook for adopting new technologies, and that's through the randomized trial. And, and I think if we don't play by the rules, we risk introducing a lot of potentially harmful things into everyday practice that we don't want. Um, and I think we've seen that time and time again when we've adopted things that have not been validated in randomized trials. So I think from a regulatory perspective, but also from a science perspective, there's a missing link in translating some of the innovations into the clinic through rigorous evaluation. Thank you, Dr. Obermeyer.